0: Star Hello, Untoldians, and welcome to the
1: Untold. That's too slow. It gives me like a weird feeling.
0: Like anxiety. Yeah. Sloth anxiety.
1: It reminds me uh, in Rocky Horror when Frankenfurter is like, Anticipation. (laughs) That. And I'm always like, ah. That's good. Drives me wild.
0: That's good. It is good. Well, I am excited for today. Yeah. Because while I was on the road, Over the course of the last two months. I don't know what got me thinking about this, but I just, I, for whatever reason, I looked up the movie Heavenly Creatures. Okay. Which then sent me on a internet tailspin into the actual murder that that movie was based off
1: of. Can I just say, I did not even know that movie was based off a real murder.
0: Oh, really? So I I knew- I knew that it was based off a real murder, although I didn't know the super, super details. Although, having now done a decent amount of research, or what I consider decent amount of yeah. research on it, it the, the actual like murder beats seem to be relatively well covered by Peter Jackson's Heavenly Creatures. OK. Um, so I'm assuming it's not too far off the mark. It's a very famous case out of New Zealand Uh, though not famous to me. And it was an older case, too. So it's one of those that happened in the 50s. And, you know, unless you knew about it or grew up about it with it in that area, I don't think it is, like, super well-known anymore. Yeah. So that being said, I did know that it was a murder case. I didn't know the actual details on the murder case above the most basic of basics. And I certainly didn't know kind of the surprise twist at the end. Yeah. Which, Which I thought we would talk about today.
1: Yeah, I'd love to talk about it. I love yeah. to talk about it. Full disclosure and I feel like I have to get this off my chest. I'm in a horrible mood. Why? I'm in a horrible mood. Oh
0: my god, I what happened?
1: I can't fake it and I I think I'll be in a better mood if I at least just say I'm in a horrible mood. I mean, it's very petty stuff, and I feel bad talking about it during this this time. But you don't I, have
0: to if you don't want to. But you know me; I love hearing your petty shit. So if you I, want to share, I'm down for it.
1: I'll talk about it, and I'll just let myself look petty. And I think that's that's just uh, a knock I'll have to take. I'm just, I'm just, I've just been getting rejected by so many film festivals with the short Little Willie, and it just like. You know, it didn't bother me. I, I, I've been rejected. I've been making stuff since I was, you know, in the fifth grade, like videos that then mm-hmm. became shorts, that became sketches, that then became some experimental features, and then back to shorts and sketches. And this isn't new, you know, getting rejected for a creative project. But like, it's just really getting me angry because, oh. I don't know, there's this heart, there's like this... uh there's this love-hate relationship to... And I'm sure you'll understand, because I think it's also like... I mean, it's anything an actor goes through with an agent or a studio. But you can't yeah. badmouth the festivals. And you never get an answer as to why they're rejecting you. They hold the power, even though they don't have a thing without your thing. Or a collection of things. Mm-hmm. Creative things. And uh, and I've even heard from some that uh, that like point-blank... We didn't watch your thing. We didn't even watch your thing. You know, it got to a point where there were too many submissions and we didn't watch your thing. And uh, now
0: knowing that, would the rejection be easier to take because you can always resubmit it next year?
1: I would rather get a fucking email that says we didn't like your thing. We watched it and we didn't like it. And here's why. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, you know, one year I, I had a feature at South by Southwest and then a few years later submitted my next feature and it didn't get in. And I asked them, I said, is there any feedback you can give me as to why it wasn't a fit for you this year as I continue to edit and tweak and send to further festivals? And they wrote me back a point blank criticism of the film and it felt great. I'm telling you. really Did not, I mean, the level of upset you have from just not knowing versus just knowing and ripping it off like a Band-Aid, that's great. I can disagree with their take on it, but it did not But at least me.
0: it gives you something to work with versus... It gives you something to work
1: with. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know. You. Honestly, I've been in such a bad mood all day, I, I don't even have the words for it. Uh, I think... Um, I don't know. It's hard because then... I don't know. There's not, there's not much I can say because it's like I'd have to start talking about specifics, but it's yeah. hard when you kind of, you know... You know some of the festival and some of the festival people, and you know some of the other filmmakers, and you've seen some of the other films, and you know, you just like, I don't know. Every time you're kind of told what to do, like when I left Nerdist I had I had got a lot of advice on like what to do moving forward with the film stuff. And like, you do it, and it still doesn't seem to be like clicking. Mm-hmm. And uh and then you get different feedback from the next person and you just feel like you're chasing this ever-moving fucking target. God, and if that
0: isn't like a micro like a micro level of what it is like to work out in Hollywood in general. I know. I know. It's a it's a fucking just yeah, chase chase the dragon.
1: Yeah. I've I have i have had people say like, well you should make some uh you should make some shorts. I, I've made shorts. Well you should make some like small features. I made small features. What if you like get did something that went viral? Well, Onyx has you know th- three hundred million views Totally. Uh, like, oh, oh, oh. Well, well, but maybe, oh, maybe you need to uh, not. Uh, now you've done too much. I've had people literally <laughs> say, "You've done too much now." Jesus. Oh, now I've done too much. Yeah. Well, now you're kind of hard to categorize because you've got all this stuff. But also, you're that weird guy. But also, you're a producer, and also, you act in your own stuff. And I'm like, all right. Well, fuck it. I guess yeah. there's no there's no true north, and I'm just feeling that. I think everybody out here gets to those like ends of their cycle every like couple months they get to the end of another frustration cycle where they're just like i'm fucking just out of i'm not out of the creative juice i'm just out of thinking you know it's actually gonna like work uh yeah. for well, a, I feel like it's on a larger scale
0: this is an advice but i'm wondering
1: <laughs> what are you gonna say
0: <laughs> i'm wondering if you're at that point where because you've done all the things like you know like success <clears throat> out here is obviously a combination of hard work, but also like a lot of luck being at the right place at the right time kind yeah. of thing. And that can kind of strike at any minute, Um, but usually it strikes like late in the game. Like people think, oh, you're an overnight success. Little do they know that you've been like performing at, at, at halls since the age of five kind of right, shit, you right, know? Right,
1: right, right.
0: And you're like in your 40s and you're like, no, that was not an overnight success. That was me grinding away and being miserable for most of my life. Um, I'm wondering if because you've done all the stuff now, like you don't have to really worry about that. Now it's just like now it's just the luck. Like this is just the luck phase of it. And it fucking sucks because you can't control
1: luck. I think you're right, though. I think like now it's like, okay, well, I just keep making stuff and just, you know, chill in a way yeah. like just keep putting it out there i've already got the youtube channel with you know three hundred thousand followers i got a fucking tiktok now with half a million followers yeah
0: but the tiktok like, is about to go away no it
1: got bought it got bought oh it got
0: bought I
1: didn't know that.
0: (laughs) I thought because I remember what they had like one day left, but technically they had five days, or at least that's what NPR was saying to me. And that Microsoft was looking to buy them, but then Microsoft was like, eh, we don't want to give them any of our information because we don't trust them.
1: Yeah. So, like, who bought them? Oracle, which, like, Okay. I don't know anything about, but Oracle bought TikTok. Yeah. Interesting. So I think we're saved, all of us talk heads. And are you it, taking
0: those talks and you're popping them over on those Insta streams or Insta reels? I, I, I haven't been I've putting seen, them. I see on people reels. regurgitating their Insta's. Yeah. Or their TikToks I have been, to their Insta's.
1: I put them on my YouTube channel as a collection. You know, I'll mm-hmm. put up like five or, or more like 20 at a time, but I've been putting some on my Insta stories. If, Hit if those think,
0: Instas, please, because put them on those. Don't put them on stories. Put it on Reels, because then you don't have to worry about it getting cut off. But um right, for people like me that try to avoid TikTok, because yes. that's like I just don't need that much shit in my life. But I do want to see your crazy ass shit. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> put them on yeah. Insta, because Insta's my this Insta's my jam. It's my safe, safe space, and I like to I, watch your stuff.
1: I remember one specific episode of Bizarre States where I think you were not available or you were out of town, and and it had been like the most recent rejection from Sundance or something. And I just remember being up in the room in the Nerdist building with just Aristotle just fucking yelling about film festivals for like (laughs) 30 minutes. Goddamn. And I'm, you know, still in that spot, but I get it. I mean, everybody's everybody's rejected. It's all good. It just sucks because I really feel like Little Willie is a perfect fit for certain festivals. That's mm-hmm. the frustrating thing. It's got people from the horror genre that are beloved, you know, and, yeah. and it it just it's such a fucking meta twist about horror fandom and the horror convention scene. Yeah. And it's, it's fucking dripping in Easter eggs that only people like me would get with the 80s horror fandom. And what it's about just LMO like, Draft they'll, House? They'll be a fucking rejected, my guy. Rejected, <laughs> rejected from Fantastic Fest, rejected from so many festivals, whose whose might as well be called '80s throwback horror fan festivals. Mm-hmm. That might as well be their fucking name. And I've been rejected by so many of them. That's bullshit. With a, with a fucking movie that's about exactly that. Well, and Untoldians, frustrating...
0: I feel like <laughs> Untoldians should get behind you on this and like start spamming. <laughs> Actually, no, that could get us in trouble. <laughs> don't do that.
1: Yeah. I take no, it I back. know. That's the thing is, and I don't want to be, I'll complain on my podcast because it feels a little more insular and, yeah. and and intimate. But yeah, I mean, sometimes I want to take to fucking Twitter and I'd look like a psycho. Mm-hmm. How privileged and crazy would I look if I was like, hey, at blah, blah, blah festival. Why didn't you select my, my film Little Willie? Why didn't you like it? I'd yeah, look like a fucking crazy person.
0: No, you but would. That's a good. I, I, yeah, I hear you. No, you're right. That's a bad move to go.
1: And sometimes. <sighs> here, it's just. Do it! We're not given. This is how I've I always felt since I was an actor when I was little and I'd get, you know, rejected from auditions. You're never given the fucking intel you deserve. As somebody that's slaved over this shit, you get a fucking stock rejection letter that sometimes is more condescending than anything. It'll have language yeah. in it, like, but don't give up. You know, your voice matters. Shut the fuck up. Don't say fucking don't give up. Say you didn't like it for these reasons. Be honest and say it was too long. Say you would have yeah. programmed it if it was shorter. Or yeah. say you didn't think it worked. Say you didn't think the finale right. landed or the characters weren't deep enough. Like You're an ugly kid. We couldn't you're use just you. Just say you're fucking ugly. <laughs> but, but what really bothers me is I've gotten rejections from festivals that have said, we are canceling the festival this year. And then they announced the lineup. And that's when I'm like... Well, y'all do have a responsibility to not drive filmmakers fucking insane. If you're not canceling your fest, then don't send emails out to to, to filmmakers saying it was canceled. The language of the email was, the film festival is canceled. And then they announced their big lineup, uh, the shorts program, and everything. So that's when I go, that's when I'm like, all right, dude, are you really working for us? Are you working against us? Are you making us, it's all about fucking, you know.
0: It's all, all about handshakes. It's all about
1: who gets invited to the fucking ball. And it's Fuck just... yeah. When you've just, you know...
0: Dude, I gotta tell you, like, okay, obviously the way you're feeling is not at all as close to what I'm feeling, but I will say that I can appreciate the whole, like, who gets invited to the ball, who's Cinderella. Because yeah. just being out of that mix, even just traveling around trying to do this show, but like going to places that are kind of off the grid. Yeah. Oh my God. It was like, oh, whoa. This is why am I here? This is just not, is it worth it anymore? Like, listen, I don't want to be, like you said, I don't want to be super whiny, privilegey and, and be like, oh, it's just too hard. But I just think after a while, like your priorities change and that rat race changes. And like, what, like what brings you uh, happiness in life?
1: I know, dude.
0: It's just like, why am no, there's like a lot of things I like that aren't, able to be found here in the city yeah. or even in the state that I miss that I'm like, okay, well, why am I doing this again?
1: I know. And I've been doing that. I've been doing the thing since I was, you know. But is that thir- us just
0: being 40? It I might mean, be. You know, are we just old now? Is this our midlife crisis? I'm, are we in a midlife crisis? Because I don't feel like I'm yeah. in crisis mode. I'm it, just, I mean, my tastes have just gotten like snootier and I expect, yeah, to do what I want to do. I don't and I've been know. doing
1: the same thing since I was 12 or 13 where it was like, yeah. okay, next project, next project. Uh-huh. Okay, it's the next one that's going to click over to the next level. Keep going, keep going. And I get myself excited about the next idea and then I make it and then it maybe doesn't go where I wanted it to go. And I go, whatever, it's the next one. It's the next one. And yeah, I mean, I'm getting to the age where you're like, okay, it's the, ne- <sighs> it's the next one. It's the next one. And you're just like, yeah. I want to go and like fucking refurbish a cabin somewhere, yeah. you know, and just like fucking have have chickens. It, it really is. I don't want. I think, those. Lo- I think it is a lot of like you know, <laughs> yeah, maybe my fucking uh, connectors are, are are getting zapped. I mean, I've fried myself mm-hmm. with the amount of output. And you know, it, one last thing again, not to sound like a complete fucking asshole, but we talked about Enneagram before, and. I'm a four on the enneagram wing three, and for people that don't know, a four is like the individualist. They're the artist. They're the one. Well, they're not the artist. Any any number can be a creative, but a four is like you'll never understand me. I'm over here with my thoughts, and I'm I'm so bewildering to the world. But come and find me. Come and find me.
0: Yeah, you're the but, you're the emo kid that wants the attention, but then gets it and is like, hey.
1: yeah, oh yeah, totally. But the three, my wing is the achiever. Who's like? I can turn the shit he makes in his weird little bubble into product. Yeah. I can make it entertaining for an audience. Come, let me show you how we can make this yeah. palatable. And let me. You're in you Don can...
0: Draper waiting to happen on totally. the wing. I right. get it.
1: So 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 then, if my personality is offended in two ways when I experience rejection, one is, <laughs> oh, I guess my my weird shit. You didn't understand my weird shit. You 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 didn't get me. So yeah. fuck off if you don't get me. But then my three is like. But that was really well edited. And like the sound design was top. Not like my three just looks at the technical and says, "Fuck what you thought about the internal message or the or the subject of the of the short." It is still technically better done than some of the other things you've let in. You know, Holy like, shit,
0: man! You poor bastard. What a personality combo to have. You're <laughs> fucked. Like I've I don't watched... mean that in like the worst way possible. I know, but like, talk about inner turmoil.
1: Like as a producer, <laughs> I watch some of the other projects, and I'm like, I'd have notes on that. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I'd mm-hmm. be like, that needs th- that. There were some. Did you uh, just
0: throw something across the room?
1: My Frankenstein head fell off oh, my God. TV because I'm shaking my entire desk with fucking mm-hmm. anger. <laughs> There's things that 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 get under my skin on the personal level but then there's things that get under my skin just on the the fact that like your sound mix isn't done and yet you got in. You know yeah. that that's where I'm like as someone who's cranked out so many fucking products and the people I work with you know what I mean work at a certain level of competency that like my thing's not even getting in just based on like competency. Can I get competency points? Yeah. yeah
0: i'm sorry i hear you i mean i get it the feeling i get it yeah i guess yeah i get it because i mean i've had to be rejected countless times of like like on a personal level walking into auditions and my auditions are always terrible like i'm i'm so much better on camera doing the actual job than walking into some audition because in the audition you know that it's like it's like Either a low-level PA that's been forced to sit and listen to everybody that comes in that day and doesn't really know what they're doing and isn't all that important. And um, not to say that PA is a bad job, but it's just like when you're in there trying to get a role that means a lot to you and, you know, you've you've got the guy that goes and gets coffee for others listening to your audition and watching you, it's right. just like, okay, obviously this is either A, already been decided upon and they're just seeing these people because it's the law and so yeah. I'm going to be passed over, or they've got their top however many that they're running through and they're just trying to, you know, make the agencies happy by seeing their people that they're bringing right. in. So there's that, but then also the fact that it's, um, you know, it's based also completely, like it might not even be me. Like I could go in there and do the best audition of anybody ever since the dawn of time. And if I just don't look like what they want, I'm automatically like it's forget it right i don't know yeah i mean it's I just know. you know and part of me is fine with that it's like whatever i don't really care i'm never going to see you people anyway and i don't right I've, I've got my own niche but on the flip side too it's like oh god like ugh, yeah. why what like i don't even yeah i hear you yeah. and like does this matter and yeah like i was saying before like traveling around and seeing all these different ways of living your life and different areas you could live where like the state isn't constantly trying to kill you with
1: uh yeah
0: fires and earthquakes and all that stuff that you're just like okay well why am I doing this
1: I think I may have told you this story before but at some point I was home in Maryland and a buddy of mine was asking how it was going in LA I think I'd only been in LA for like four years and I told him I said well yeah I pitched this thing and I said no to that but they did like this one character from it so I reconstructed the pitch. now it's gonna be this and I'm cut a sizzle reel we're gonna shoot a short proof of concept and then I'm going back in with this deck and then they're gonna and I told him all the different things I was working on and he was like Man, that sounds exhausting. Yeah. And I was like, Oh yeah, what are, how what are you doing? He's like, I mean, I run the tree business and we sell the trees. <laughs> I was like, Yeah. yeah. I got but the, the trees, problem okay.
0: is, is like four years ago, or the, that four, like in your youth, you were like, yeah, okay, you sucker, you're selling trees. But like now, you're looking back and you're like, oh fuck, yeah, he had it figured out, like yeah, selling have trees. Sold the trees. Yeah, I should have sold the trees.
1: Without a doubt.
0: How is this okay? New T-shirt, you guys. We should have sold the trees. <laughs> we should have sold the trees.
1: I mean, bottom line. Bottom line.
0: That's what it is.
1: We were wrong
0: the whole time. We should have been selling the trees.
1: Keep in mind, none of these projects, none of these projects have ever made me any money. This is everything outside of having a job. (laughs) This is, you know, I've been paid for one creative project in L.A. in the 14, 13, 14 years I've been here. uh, uh, Outside of my job at Nerdist, I mean, which was a fucking blessing to have a creative job like that. But I mean, I've had one script deal since being out here and it was for Cartoon Network. Mm -hmm. Uh, When they were gonna do live action stuff, I had a script deal, so I got paid. I was a WGA associate member whatever the fuck. That's been the one like legit, you know, industry gig I've had in 14 years. Everything else is fucking, you know, fucking hustling and trying to, you know, get (sighs) someone to care about the thing you made with friends and friends money and no you know, no studio, no production company, etc. Anyway. Well, you should have sold the trees. I should have sold the trees. You
0: should have sold the trees. Holy shit, that is becoming a t-shirt. Fuck, somebody get on uh, the t-shirt.com making place <laughs> and, and make this t-shirt. That's what it
1: is, t-shirt.com.
0: t-shirt.com making
1: we shouldn't things. say that because for all we know, that URL actually goes to like oh, shit, a weird, you know, it? Well, lemon party website. Or oh, something.
0: God. Yeah, don't. It's like, uh-huh. di- yeah, uh-huh. don't. Well, yeah, I don't know. It's up to you, well, I guess. If you're an adult, it's up to you. Take, take it all at your own risk. Well, it's already 630, so we spent the first 30 minutes complaining about L.A., yeah. I am going to place in our show notes, hey, skip to 634 if you want to skip over Bowser's e- epic <laughs> rant. <laughs> but but listen to it if you want really good life advice. Yeah. Be- because, I mean, we kind of are giving solid life advice just in the non-floofy kind of way.
1: Right, it's, it's a straight know, talk. It's we're a straight not talk. Marie
0: Kondoing you. We're not. We don't want to. We we don't give a shit about your feelings. We're telling you how it is out
1: yeah. there. You know, and I see these encouraging. Uh, I, I I I need to stop after this, but like, I just I, <laughs> shit, I, I just it's great. I am at a point where. Can
0: I interrupt really really fast and say one thing? Yeah. I really missed you, and this is, I missed you too. This is like <laughs> making my day.
1: I'm, <laughs> glad I'm sorry to hear.
0: that your frustration. But in your first read, I just, I feel like, oh my God, this is the friendship. This is my yeah, friendship. Yeah. <laughs> this is what I like.
1: <laughs> it's very true. It's very true. I agree. Um, well, I realized, uh, you talk about kind of getting older, like, I'm mm-hmm. past the point where inspirational messages, like, ha- hold any fucking weight for me. Oh, yeah. You know, I see other filmmakers and people in the industry, they'll tweet something like, you know what? You got to remember, you just have to do it. Oh, fuck I'm that. like, Huh? And they're like, get off the couch. Make your movie, man. Make your film. It's waiting there. What the fuck are you talking about? And maybe it's because I've never had... I've yeah. always just done it. I've done that since I was a kid. I've made my own things consistently for decades. It's not enough to just do it. If anything, yeah. that's fucking like dangerous advice. Don't just do it. You need much more than the ability and the competency to you know and the what? gumption to just do it. You need fucking... <laughs> a fucking world of support and and some kind of guarantee that anyone's gonna give a fuck and if you don't have that maybe don't just do it maybe sell the trees
0: you know what you and i need to come up with our own like untold hour instagram where all we do is post like non-inspirational inspirational totally. messages yeah like, it's still just inspirational do it, but even if you do
1: it's possible no one will care
0: yeah like word. it's yeah. inspirational in the sense that yeah you should continue to strive but we're sure. not gonna bullshit you with a bunch of uh i guess bullshit right <laughs> you know what i'm saying right. like but we're gonna have to use it where it's like all those like millennial pink backgrounds and the like really fancy um fonts
1: yeah exactly and stuff like yeah. that
0: yeah, I, I've seen, I, I've given up on I've given up on all of those inspirational messages like it's Instagram. Those things drive me nuts because they're just like a um, more well, it's almost, tech version, exoticized version of like uh, quotes of the day calendars. Right. Where you just like consume these bullshit quotes yeah. that probably no one actually said except for Hallmark. Well, and it's you're like, wow. A-
1: it's almost virtue signaling. you know, Oh, it I, totally I saw, is. And I they're all tweets. different
0: too. Like some will say, you know, take your time and remember it's okay to do nothing and right. enjoy life. And then the other one's like, fucking get your ass motivated. Right, and you're exactly. like, wait, I just, the other one, but what?
1: Yeah. And I, I saw a, pre, <laughs> a, 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 a an actor tweet something like, just do it. That has turned down my projects before. Mm-hmm. And, and then a producer reshared it and was like, so true. Well, I want to comment. Wait, fuck you. Why don't you fucking just do my movie then? <laughs> how, how encouraging.
0: You should have you done. You should have replied, just do my movie then. Yeah. And oh, that, my but, God.
1: But that was their attempt at like sounding positive and like they were helping the community out. Hey, here I am just reminding you to just do it. Oh, here's my script. Oh, I don't want it. Well then what the fuck do you mean by just do it? Yeah. When the rubber hits the road, it takes more than just doing it. Take someone else's fucking money, someone else coming alongside as talent and getting the fucking thing done. Just you know what my
0: work. inspirational quote is these days? What? I don't work for free. <laughs>
1: That's that is
0: I have I've lived by that inspirational quote since my late 30s where I have a I and I've gotten stronger with it every year. Because, you know, you're so, you so want to get in so bad that you do so much work for free oh or for, like, pittance. And then people just try to take advantage of that. And that's why you start getting calls is because yep. they know you'll work for free. So it's that bi- it's like that big jump into saying, like, no, I'm sorry, I'm not doing that. And that's a big-time dice roll because that is really where, you know, you could fall off the map.
1: You want to know what mine would be to match that? Mine mm. would be, I do one thing. That's mm-hmm. my slogan. I do one thing. Hey, but you edit and you'll write and you'll pre- and then you'll color yeah. correct it too, right? And then you, I do, I'll do. i do one thing. But when you do multiple things, then everybody's like, well, yeah, well, you'll do it all. Yeah. Oh, well, then do I get paid 50 times over for wearing 50 hats?
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, I think you can apply that to talent. Like most of that, my stuff is talent related. And yeah. I think you can apply that to talent sometimes, not all the time. Because, you know, talent comes with its own kind of um, benefits and issues. But... But there's been a lot, even ne- like even as I get older, where it's been like, okay, well, we want you to sit in on this cre- like we want you to sit in on this meeting, because they're c- trying to kind of like, like they don't have it figured out, and I'm like, exactly. well, if I sit in on this meeting, and they like, want
1: what your mind they has, what- they know exactly, you'll it out. and I'm like.
0: I'm not getting paid EP money, nor am I getting EP yeah. credit on this. I'm getting whatever it is I'm getting. So I'm not doing the extra work for you unless right. you want to pay me. Yeah. So that's yeah. that's been my mantra. And it's both worked for me and against me. But sure. in general, I'd say works for me. Yeah. Yeah. But I also am at a point now where as I'm older and I've done pretty much everything that I've wanted to do, I can I've got I do admit I have the luxury of sitting back and saying, "You know, I don't give a fuck anymore. So if you don't yeah. like it, I don't care." Yeah. And then if I get the job, I get it, and if I don't, I don't. Yeah. But that's a that took a long time to get to and even while I'm in it, like in that position, sometimes I'm like, "Oh, did I just paint myself into a corner. So it still doesn't come yeah. without its ups and downs. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, well. Well, now Weird that...
1: Weird of the week.
0: Weird-, <laughs> <laughs> Weird of the week. Well, at least we get to talk murders today and kind of, um, you know... Uh, get it all off our chests.
1: Yeah, totally. So yeah.
0: why don't you start us off with the Weird of the Week? Because I okay. focused on the main story. So Bowser, uh, Bowser focused on our news today. And yeah. we're going to just play off each other that way.
1: Exactly. Well, the first bit of Weird of the Week is about a drive-through haunted house, That's which has cool. been a concern of mine because one of my favorite things to do in Halloween time is to walk around South Pasadena which is where they shot Halloween, and every Halloween it turns into a Halloween lovers' dream Really? Do you South Pass kids flooding the streets, <laughs> trick or treaters everywhere, streets shut down for home haunts? There's a whole block where every house oh, is an extravagant home haunt. And then, like a lines
0: line... to get in. Like oh, how like safe lines is to it? get in, dude. How safe is it gonna be this year?
1: Oh, it won't be happening this year. I don't oh, think there's anyway people are gonna be out. Well, they canceled oh. trick-or-treating initially for L.A., but then they rolled it back because people flipped out, and they said, you just need to be safe. Mm-hmm. But I don't think there's any way South Pass is going to be popping like it like it yeah. normally is. It it, it it would be impossible to be COVID safe out
0: Aristotle there. Aristotle says that's where all the big candy can be found.
1: Oh, dude, in South Pass? Yeah. For real, dude. It is, I mean, it's like the way Halloween was portrayed in movies, mm-hmm. and I've never experienced that on a Halloween night before. My suburb was, like, kind of into Halloween but I walked into South Pass a couple years ago and was like, this is what I've been looking for. It looks like something out of Hocus Pocus or Halloween Town. So I have been wondering what. The- oh, and also there's the house, you know, that Laurie Strode grew up in and there's Michael Myers home and they're both in South Pass. Mm-hmm. But uh, one production company in Tokyo decided to solve the kind of COVID problems of Halloween haunts by creating a new drive through haunted house
0: that's cool
1: yes a rep from the production company kawagara satai kawagara satai you'd be better at pronouncing this you're much better at tackling japanese words says we've started this drive-in because we cannot get close to customers at a traditional haunted house uh like we would normally because of the virus but the distance now between the customers and the cast is actually shorter because there's only a pane of window glass between us
0: oh that's cool
1: which is interesting to think about. Yeah, normally they'd probably be like a foot or two away from you, but now they're like slapping on your windows.
0: <laughs> as long as Unlike, nobody gets run over by mistake.
1: Well, this that's what I don't understand is like how slow do you drive? You gotta be how do you keep like track of everybody? 35 yeah.
0: and I'm sure there's tickets and then you line up. Like they could actually like where's that one place here in LA where you drive through to Griffith to, Park? to see the Christmas decorations and the Christmas lights, oh, but at it's the all zoo? drive-through? I don't know yeah. where it's located, but that's essentially what you do. No, the zoo totally. you, you go into.
1: You walk, yeah, yeah. You
0: walk in. But there's an area for Christmas that you're supposed, like, I think you can drive through, and you see the town all lit up with lights and everything's beautiful and gorgeous. Yeah. Why not do that for Halloween? Like I Totally. Don't, I, I feel like that's well, still a doable sounds- concept.
1: Maybe they could do that for the Griffith Park um, Haunted Hayride. I wonder if they could make it a drive through Maybe. Um, unlike a traditional haunted house where guests can flee if frightened, customers are confined to their cars and cannot escape the horror during the 13-minute performance. With no actual contact between audience and performers, the risk of transmitting the virus is virtually eliminated. And, of course, inside the cars, customers can scream as loudly as they like. <laughs> Once the horror is over, instead of eating brains, these helpful zombies actually clean the blood off the cars. That they so you get a car
0: wash too?
1: <laughs> well, I wonder how in depth it is. I feel like they maybe give know. you a little wipe down and then send you on your way.
0: Knowing Japan, no, that's, that's like true. a full wash and polish situation. It's true. Yeah. They don't they don't do things half-assed over there. They are all they are all about that quality. Which yeah, is why for I love sure. it so much. Oh, I miss uh, the that next, place.
1: The next story is about a disorderly goat that commandeered a cop car.
0: What the fuck? Is it like those llamas (laughs) that ran through the suburbs?
1: Kinda. Suburbs.
0: I said suburbs wrong. Suburban streets?
1: This one, the headline was just too funny not to include. A sheriff's deputy in Georgia had a run-in with the baddest of the bad last week when she returned to her cruiser to find a goat had taken it over. Douglas County Sheriff's Office said the unnamed deputy was serving civil papers at a home during the encounter, and she typically leaves the car door open as she's often had to retreat from vicious dogs in the past. Her quote is, Never once did I expect or even consider what was about to happen on this day. (laughs) Footage from the situation showed the goat in the front seat and was busily eating the deputy's paperwork.
0: Oh, no! Then after
1: leaving the vehicle with a mouthful of delicious papers, the goat delivered a headbutt to the deputy's knees, knocking her down before hoofing it from the scene of the crime. Oh, my God uh someone from the department said even though she was knocked to the ground she was not physically harmed in the incident at the end of the day we all got a little laugh out of it and did the goat get that
0: arrested that. for assaulting an officer
1: oh my gosh if that if it ended with that goat in <laughs> handcuffs holy crap um but goats are they're bad boys and girls. oh they're goats mean wild dude yeah
0: they can get i mean you know they're animals like yeah, they can get You know what surprised me as being as nasty as it was and I had a run-in while I was on the road was um swans.
1: Dude, swans? I Swans
0: are fucking nasty. Ah,
1: swans are nasty. I I watched a video this week of a of a baby swan that was stuck in a fence right near the water's edge and a man was trying to rescue it. Granted, The the swan mommy's brain, you know, I'm sure couldn't. He's like, that thing's gonna eat my baby, yeah. Yeah, but it was like lighting this dude up. And the dude (laughs) was like, I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help you. And it was like, that, that, (laughs) that. And he finally got it loose. And even as he set it down into the water, the swan like flung its wing at him one more time.
0: Yeah, I tried to feed (laughs) one and it got mad at me. It started yeah. hissing and I'm like it's food like here I and I was like not even trying to like get it to eat out of my hand I was just tossing it into the water and the thing went berserk
1: yeah berserk It's like
0: holy shit okay fine
1: Um well speaking of water a casket was seen Ooh. in a Maryland body of water the twist though is an unspooky twist Oh uh, so I'll, yeah, uh, I'll warn you guys. It's kind of a bummer. But it's in Maryland. It was in Annapolis, which is near right where I grew up. So I felt mm. like I wanted to include it. Police in Maryland investigating reports of a casket photographed bobbing up and down in a river discovered the object was something far less macabre. A post to a local radio station's Facebook page Tuesday showed a rectangular object with flat sides and a curved top floating in the South River, which is a tributary of the Chesapeake Bay near Annapolis. Mm-hmm. And I saw this picture. I mean, it looked exactly like a coffin. If you told me it was anything else, I'd be like, well, you don't know what a coffin looks oh, like.
0: Oh, is it like a tree trunk?
1: No. Yeah, the concrete slab resembling a coffin sparked complaints of a possible oh. hazard in the water. Got it. The Capital Gazette reported, uh, Department of Natural Resources were disp- dispatched to the river where a hydro- hydrographic operation team helped pull out what turned to be a floating dock
0: from oh, the water. Oh, okay. Okay.
1: So literally the story could be floating dock found in water. Yeah. But it looked like a casket. It made people think maybe there were bodies in the river, you know, it 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 sparked some outcry before it was. I the mean, there's a lot
0: dock. of lakes that have flooded old towns and you know, speaking from experience, they left some of the graveyards there. Yeah. And like eventually I was supposed that that could that could it wear away and a body could float to the top, I may- maybe? I don't yeah.
1: know. Real quick, I do have a quick Bowser's Backyard update. Sure, as if I haven't As if I haven't burned through enough real estate with my rant. So Bowser's Backyard has been kind of popping these last few weeks. Oh, we really? have We have a next-door neighbor cat who we call Dora because she's an explorer. She's always in other people's yards. I don't know what her real name is. But she is, you know how on The Simpsons, the baby with the unibrow is like Maggie's arch nemesis? Dora.
0: I never really watched The Simpsons that much.
1: There's a reoccurring theme that this baby with the unibrow is Maggie's arch nemesis, and it's never really explained why, but Maggie hates that baby. Well, my cat Daffy hates Dora, and Mm -hmm. there's a hole in our fence that I had to put like a little grate over so Daffy can just sit at that grate. I called her Window to the World, and she just waits for Dora and waits to get into like slap fights through the fence where Daffy (laughs) is hissing and losing her mind and her tail's puffed out. But Dora is always much more in control. She'll jump on the top of the fence just to tease Daffy, and Daffy can't jump that high. But the other morning, this was hilarious. Dora purposefully like spent time at the window to the world to get Daffy locked on that window in that in that slap fight. Mm-hmm. But then Dora runs down and comes around the front of the house <laughs> and goes over into our backyard to run up behind Daffy. <laughs> While she's still at the window to the world, like that's something you'd see in a cartoon. Oh,
0: she got fucking clever.
1: She got so clever, and I see Dora tearing through the yard, running right toward Daffy, and I'm like, I cannot believe she just maneuvered that. And I ran out and started yelling, and oh, Dora you should have let her have.
0: You should have let her have it. She
1: earned it. I know, I know. But what it did do is, as I yelled to get Daffy's attention. Dora diverted and literally jumped like over Daffy's back, <laughs> b- back up onto the fence. and Daffy was like, the fuck. She was like, you were just there and now you <laughs> So then yesterday I come out in the morning to a full-on cat fight. They're mm-hmm. both in the yard, facing off, hissing, you know, just getting ready to just getting ready to wrestle. Mm-hmm. And I ran out. And you're not supposed to do, I mean, you shouldn't do this for any animal fight, but definitely not ever for a dog fight. I did what you're not supposed to do. I put my hand directly in between them.
0: Oh, yeah, that's dumb.
1: That's like what you do if you want to lose a finger, but I figured these two cats wouldn't hurt me that bad. I thought it would break the tension, and instead, the second I did that, Daffy just jumped over my hand like it was a little obstacle and chased Dora out of the yard and back over the fence. And I guess kind of got her her vengeance for that. Horrible yeah. trick you played on her the day before.
0: <laughs> you gotta be careful with that. That can actually really screw up your hand.
1: Oh, I know. My mother-in-law lost a finger that way with a dog fight.
0: Oh, Jesus. What? Yeah.
1: Yeah, she was breaking up a dog fight in her own home. They had a dog that was kind of older and it started to get like a little, uh, I don't know, See angry now? towards something. Yeah. And she went to break them up and one of them, as they were barking and biting, just fucking bit half Ooh. her finger off.
0: Holy shit! Been
1: gorn for years. Shit.
0: Yeah. I would. Oh, I would be so angry with that dog. That dog would no longer have a nice home to live in.
1: I know, I know.
0: Like you don't bite my finger off. I feed you. Don't literally, bite just- the. Literally, do not bite the hand that feeds you.
1: Literally, and it was hanging by a thread. Gross.
0: Mm. Yeah,
1: that's gnarly. gross. All it right. Healed pretty well.
0: <laughs> that's nasty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Although I guess if I did get stuck in a situation like that where I'm missing half a finger, I would pull like a Margot Tenenbaum and just like get a little yeah. walnut cap for it. Totally. And then I could switch out different wood grains on what kind of finger I yeah. wanted, depending on how hipstery I felt.
1: <laughs> you could have a little pattern on it. You could have uh-huh. a little paisley pattern or like yeah. a Haunted Mansion wallpaper pattern. Yeah,
0: or maybe I could even like 3D print out some sort of cool like witch finger, apocalyptic witch finger yeah <laughs> yeah huh, huh. the like th- now i'm considering it all right. right so um do you want to delve into uh Let's do it, into man. murders into true Let's crime i feel okay to talk about this because it happened in the 50s and yeah many many an entertainment offshoot has occurred because of it so we are yeah. the least of its issues mm-hmm so, like I said before, so Heavenly Creatures, if you haven't seen it, I highly recommend you check it out. Um, it was one of the first, if not the first, Peter Jackson film I ever saw. And essentially, it's about these two girls who become extremely close friends and kind of lose their mind a little bit and live in this fantasy world of their own making, but um, Part of it is just their age. Part of it is the issues that they're having at home. Part of it is like um, health things that we get into uh, here as well. And uh, eventually, well, I don't want to bury the lead, but uh, eventually things happen. I mean, it's in the title, murder. So murder happens. Yeah. And I didn't know at the time, although I did learn later, for whatever reason, I, I stumbled upon it or whatever, that it was really heavily inspired by an actual true life murder case called the Parker Hulme murder case. I hope I'm saying Hulme correctly. It's spelled H-U-L-M-E. I'm going to refer to it as Hulme throughout the podcast. Yeah. Um. But if it's but if it's not that I'm I apologize. But so you guys know, it's H-U-L-M-E. So this wasn't a real murder case that occurred in Christchurch, New Zealand, which is usually not a place you associate with extreme murders Yeah. back in 1954, which is also not a time you really associate with extreme murders. Not that they didn't happen then. It's just that you don't really hear about that that often. Yeah um, the murderers themselves are Pauline Yvonne Parker, who was aged 16 years at the time that she uh, committed her crime, and Juliet Hulm, who was aged 15 years. Um, and the victim is Honora Parker, also known as Honora Reaper. And yes, that would be Pauline's mom. Mm-hmm. So here is a breakdown of the relationship between um, Pauline and Juliet. So Pauline uh, and Juliet met in their early teens while attending Christchurch Girls High School. Juliet was described as being tall, slender, very self-confident, incredibly attractive, and speaking with a beautiful English accent because she was actually born and grew up for a while in London. Uh, She came from a very affluent, well-educated, and rich family, um, although... That being said, just because you're rich doesn't mean you don't have your problems. And so her family Mm -hmm. definitely had its own issues. So in contrast to Juliet, Pauline was described as short, with dark curly hair, worn shorter than most girls her age, uh, less obviously attractive than Juliet, and with a permanent scowl on her face. Um Pauline's family was uh, in contrast to Juliet's family was considered working class with her father Bert running a fish shop and her mother being described as careworn and running a shabby boarding house so ju or I'm sorry, so Pauline was very highly flattered that Juliet noticed her and sought her out for a friendship and that kind of cemented um Pauline's uh obsession with Juliet. They described her as. Uh, in a couple of the articles that I read as um what, what's the word kind of a misfit you know
1: mm-hmm.
0: um both of the girls actually had somewhat debilitating illnesses as younger children that they then said that they romanticized and were able to bond over Pauline had and I'm going to try and pronounce this correctly osteomyelitis which is essentially a bone infection resulting in specific bone pain, redness, weakness, and fever. <clears throat> mm. And Juliet was d- diagnosed with tuberculosis, an infectious lung disease, which actually landed her in a sanatorium for a while. Or a sanitarium. Sanitarium? Torium. Sanatorium. Either way, the, she went to a I don't know hospital. What the is. Yeah. Um, you know, like well, a TB ward basically. So, yeah. um, a lot of the horror games that I play actually, uh, you know, they started off as TB wards because TB wards were uh, TB was infectious, and so if somebody got it or or they basically had to be sequestered. Um,
1: oh, and sanatorium is more. Uh, sanitarium is more of the North American word for it. Oh, is it in san- sanatorium? Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, it's, it's so
1: English usage.
0: for for lack of a better explanation, because I wasn't expecting you to ask me that question. For
1: the
0: <laughs> for the horror games that I've played, everything usually starts off at, as being a TB sanitarium oratorium, yeah, and then eventually turns into like a mental like that that goes away because they were able to kind of cure TB or at least. Yeah. reduce it. And so then that became eventually like mental hospitals.
1: Well, that's what happened to that Glendale Hospital in Maryland that I used to run around in. And
0: that's yeah. what happened to a bunch that I and then eventually that turned into an orphanage or vice versa. You know, like it all that those yeah. those places kind of all those were like the phases that all of these old early 19th century brick buildings so anyway, uh, she actually landed in a sanatorium. At the time that she was in there, she her parents essentially left her there and went and traveled mm-hmm. abroad. Um, she had a bad relationship with some of her siblings. Uh, you know, like life was not great for these two girls at their houses. Um, they became obsessed with each other, essentially creating their own fantasy world, and often wrote books and plays and other various stories focused on their world of make believe. Uh, uh, but Pauline was very, um, was very flattered that Juliet, somebody like Juliet, would pay attention to her and want to be her friend, and so they just really kind of clicked, like, opposites attract in a kind of way. Mm -hmm. So essentially, yeah, they obsessed about each other or they obsessed over each other. They obsessed over this kind of like fantasy world that they lived in that they preferred to the regular world and the regular home lives. Um, They uh, hung out with each other constantly. If one of them was sick or couldn't hang out with the other for whatever the reason, uh, the other one would be like withdrawn and mopey and not want to interact with anybody until she could meet up with the other friend again. The world of make-believe actually expanded beyond just kind of the stories and the plays. They actually created their own religion and morality behind it. Uh, They basically rejected Christianity and worshipped their own saints that they based on famous actors, actresses, and singers that they were obsessed with because they were obsessed with the opera. So people that were listed were James Mason, Guy Rolf, Mario Lanza, Orson Welles, Mel Farrar, Jersey Bjorling. I think I'm pronouncing huh. that right. Michael Rennie, Hildegard, Neff, and Ava Gardner. Fully support Orson Welles and Ava Gardner on that list. Yeah. <laughs> Love them both. And Mel Farrar It reminds Farrar too. me. Of-
1: Reminds me of the dynamic between the, t- the girls that were friends in the Slender Man case. I was
0: just about to bring that up. Is that this is yeah. very reminiscent of the things that occurred in the Slender Man where the two girls kind of had the same psychosis and played yeah. off of each other. And then it would just kind of start feeding into each snowballed. other yeah. and snowballed. So that's essentially, this is like the case before the Slenderman case. Like this was, yeah, this was it. Not that there probably haven't been other examples of this, but this is a very famous one um so yeah they worshiped their own saints they had their own religion and morality that they lived by uh essentially they dreamed of going to hollywood to have their novels made into movies they wanted to marry great actors and become friends with the hollywood elite which is ironic considering what we were just talking about in your rant
1: oh gosh oh my
0: gosh Uh, who knew that this was actually meant to be today's actually on
1: theme for tonight
0: totally So they also created what they believed like things got so hardcore for these girls that they also created what they believed to be a parallel dimension which they called the fourth world which was their version of heaven and essentially they were able to occasionally enter the fourth world And when doing so, were able to achieve spiritual enlightenment, although that ability was only achieved because of their friendship. Like they would never have been able to achieve it on their own. Yeah. It was only because they were friends with each other and their friendship was extra special and they were special girls and all that stuff. So both sets of parents had issues with the friendship. Pauline's parents in particular were extra concerned because at the time, And this is based off an article that I had read talking about the relationship and how it was perceived back in the 50s. Uh, Pauline's parents questioned, questioned her mental health and sexuality because it was seen as, like, homosexuality was seen as a mental illness during the time. So that's why they were suspect about why the girls were together as much as they were. That being said, however, both sets of parents, even despite their hesitation, still allowed the girls to see each other frequently um, and and let them hang out. Like they it was this kind of like they were fine with it, I guess. Yeah. All right, so here's the breaking point. This is where it all kind of starts to fall apart. In 1954, the Hume's were divorcing. Um some Articles that I've read said that the wife was having an affair. Other articles that I've read said Juliet's father had resigned from the area that he was working in because the college that he was at was like, I don't know, some say they were pulling funding, some saying he wasn't up to snuff with it. Like I, I've seen like the gamut, but either yeah. way, he's resigning from his college job. Uh, the mother was supposedly having an affair or was considered a loose woman and I'm doing air quotes here because whatever that means but that's what they would say and the family planned to return back to England but without Juliet they were going to send Juliet to stay with her father's relatives in South Africa for her health because they wanted her to get better in a drier climate and because of the tuberculosis Juliet and Pauline were obviously massively heartbroken over this news of their upcoming separation. The two of them attempted to get their parents to agree to let Pauline travel and stay with Juliet in South Africa. Apparently, Juliet's parents were like, yeah, cool, that's fine. Although, in all honesty, nobody really thought that that was going to happen. A lot of people suspect that... um, Juliet's parents said that just to keep the girls calm until it yeah. was actually time to leave because they didn't want to deal yeah. with these the girls' bullshit. However, Pauline kind of latched on to that a little bit, um, thinking that there was a chance, but that the problem was that there was no way that her mother was going to ever allow her to go to South Africa. Mm-hmm. Of course, because you are... like, you're a teenager, a young teenager, and you are my daughter, and there is no way that I would let you stay with strangers in South Africa with a girl who, honestly, I only put up with because you're so obsessed with her, but I probably don't really like. So anyway, Pauline is totally like, whatevs, I'm down for this. You know, Juliet's parents are passing the buck over onto Pauline's parents, and Pauline is obsessed with the fact that her mother is going to say no. Why only her mom and not her dad? I don't know. Yeah. they don't really go into that. Um,
1: Do you remember the movie much? Do they go into that relationship more in the film? Why the mother was more vilified? This makes me want. I, I, I to be honest, uh-huh. never watched that movie. Even though oh, you I was should. Like a
0: big,
1: I was a big Peter Jackson fan from like the splatter movies he made. You like, uh,
0: should. It's a great taste. psychological yeah. horror it runs pretty close to what the beats are in this actual murder case I don't think it strays too far from the path despite stuff that we're going to go into later on yeah but um I mean if I listen I saw that movie in college and I don't think I've ever seen it again but it made a huge impression on me at the time and if I remember correctly they do go a little into it and it kind of is exactly what actually happened where the both sets of parents agree, let the girls think that this is a reality or a possibility to keep them chill until it's time to go and then just bounce and then they're just going to have to deal with it. Um, Yeah. You know, and the mom, Pauline's mother, was not at any more fault than any other parent in the mix. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, if any, like why she in particular got blamed, I'm not sure. I think it's, you know, she was probably the one talking the most to her daughter about her concerns with this relationship rather than the dad. But yeah. um but that's an assumption and you know on my part and also the movie's part. Um but I haven't heard anything contrary to that, nor have I seen anything necessarily supporting that. It just uh-huh. kind of is assumed, <laughs> at least what I've read, and I haven't gone like when I say I went on a deep dive on this there's a lot out there, but it was kind of hard to get details because this happened so long ago. And yeah. you know, one of the women, Pauline, has since lived a very quiet life, and the other one has lived. When we'll get into this, a more uh, forward-facing life, but still kind of doesn't really talk about this. Yeah, uh, there is. I'm, we're jumping the gun here a lot. But there is a book written about one of the a biography written about one of the women. And, uh, but I didn't even know that existed until t- today. I was today years old when I found out about that book. And I'm sure that probably delves into it a little bit more as to why they focused on Pauline's mom. But, um, but I can't think of anything in my like
1: uh-huh. internet
0: dive that really explains why it's just her. Anyway, yeah. Pauline focuses on her mom as being the big problem as to why she can't go to South Africa with Juliet. Um,. So let me pick this up. Uh, so both girls, knowing that, start hatching a plan that both of them are going to murder Pauline's mother, Honora. So here's all about the murder murder is coming up. Uh, okay. On June 22nd, 1954, Honora Parker, Pauline Parker, and Juliet Hume all go for a walk through Victoria Park. At some point they go down this path in a semi-secluded area and it's by a small wooden footbridge and Pauline drops a pink stone on the path with Honora picking like bending down to pick it up and it's then that Pauline begins to bludgeon her mother with a stocking covered brick or stone some places say brick some places say stone the stocking breaks. So actually, I'm jumping the gun. Let me preface this with the original plan was they were going to beat her mother to death with this rock and then roll her down an embankment and then go and tell everybody, hey, she fell and hit her head and then fell down into this embankment. Uh-huh. And that's how they were going to cover up the murder. It doesn't quite work out that way. Yeah. <laughs> They hit her in the back of the head while she's trying to pick up this pink stone with a stocking covered brick. The stocking breaks. And so both girls then hold Honora down by the throat with turned face up. So she's looking at them and take turns clubbing her to death with the, the brick or the stone that's left. Um, they leave her there. They're covered in blood. After they kill so, her,
1: so did they wind up killing her in a spot they didn't intend to, to where they they ditched the rolling her down the. No, part? I
0: think they no, I, not that I'm aware of, because okay. Pauline planned it. So Pauline planned it so by they
1: still said dumping she had the stone. Fallen. They still and tried they it.
0: yes, yeah. and they still said that she'd fallen. They just never rolled her down the embankment, and I don't know. I'm assuming this woman was screaming so yeah. uh my guess is they got scared that maybe somebody yeah. heard them or that somebody was going to come along the path and they didn't have time to roll her down it was better to just leave her be and run back yeah so they're covered in blood they leave the scene and they leave their mother's body or they leave Honora's body there and they run back to this tea kiosk where all of them had eaten lunch like minutes beforehand. They go to the owners of the tea kiosk and they tell the guy that Pauline's mother had fallen down, hit her head on a rock and died. And that that's what happened. Like she's dead. That's how she hit her,
1: her head on a rock multiple times. Yeah. At high velocity. Yeah. In the back I of mean, the
0: head as well as in the front. And uh, yeah. And by the way, she also has minor injuries to her fingers because she was trying to block and defend herself. But don't of pay course. attention to that. Needless to say, the girls didn't think this through. Um, yeah. So shortly thereafter, the tea kiosk owner actually gets to the body first and finds the body. But then the police come, and Honora's body is found with, like we were talking about, major lacerations on her head, neck, and face, with additional minor injuries to her fingers, most likely made when she was trying to defend and protect herself. Nobody believed the girl's story at all. From the start, like there was never even a question that this might have actually happened. They everybody immediately were like, oh, you guys are so fucked, like done. Yeah, right. Shortly after finding Honora's body, the police found the murder weapon tossed a short distance away in the woods. The girls didn't even really bother to try and hide it that well.
1: I mean, it's wild when you think about the uh, well, I don't know how old were they at this point?
0: Uh, what did I say? I, I they were, let me see. I can tell you exactly. Pauline was 16 and Juliet was 15.
1: I was going to say like kids try to get away with stuff, even though there's, you know, a friend of mine tells a funny story of her getting in trouble for eating chocolate and being like, it wasn't me. And Mm -hmm. chocolate like spilling out of her mouth. (laughs) Like kids, you know, they, they, it is hard for them to get away with shit, but not by 16 or 15. They should have had the awareness to get rid of that brick. They should have had the awareness that it would not look like that woman fell down and hit her head, right?
0: I mean, I don't know.
1: I, I would have at 16 15, if my buddy was like, and we'll just say she fell. I'd be like, the
0: fuck we will. I think It's going to look like she was bludgeoned to death. I think 15, and listen, this is all just conjecture on my part. Yeah. I think 15 and 16 at, at that time was a lot different than 15 and 16 at these well, times. Well, that's true,
1: I guess, right?
0: Kinda. I mean, in regards to the society's expectations about you, I think children in general are expected to be more mature, um, you know, and all children are different. I mean, I can think back, God, fuck, even a couple of years ago where I'm like, I was so immature about that, too. Oh, yeah. You know, so I think it depends on the child. Keep in mind as well that these girls were obviously living in this fantasy world that they had created for themselves. Yeah. They, you know, I think they got wrapped up in their own bullshit. I think they liked to feed off each other. They were bored. They didn't like their home lives. I'm not saying yeah. that 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 caused. I'm not saying that that's an excuse, but I'm saying I think they were very, uh, Arrested Development esque not the yeah. tv show the actual phrasing like yeah, the actual state of being state of being for that yeah. phrase is that they just you know they just weren't that far along emotionally yeah. as maybe other people of that age
1: mm-hmm.
0: i don't know who knows right but i mean it just the way that you hear so so that's a good thing that you brought up because we can then go into the diary. Pauline had a diary where she basically yeah. wrote about everything uh, in great detail um f- throughout their friendship and then specifically on this one. And there's just this disassociation and kind of um kind of like I don't want to call it an innocence because that's definitely not what it was, but this like a lack of understanding and emotion connected to what they were actually doing and did. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So um so yeah, so let me see. Where where was I? Well, the trial. Uh, so they so so yeah. So shortly thereafter the police found the weapon tossed away into the woods. Pauline and Juliet's story starts to fall apart, although honestly it had been falling apart since the minute it happened. Nobody believed them at all. Move into the trial. So the trial happens, and it is massive news uh, in general, but specifically in New Zealand, Uh, surrounded by speculations of there being a sexual relationship between the two, a la what uh, Pauline's parents were concerned about. Um, However, I just want to interject that in 2006, Juliet, who was doing uh, interviews under a different name, and we'll get into that in just a bit, did state numerous times that the two were never involved sexually. Um, yeah. And then also the insanity plea. There was an insanity plea specifically based on the fact that these girls lived in such a hardcore fantasy world. They had this different religion. They had these, all these additional plans. They supposedly found ecstasy through this made-up religions of their blah, 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 blah. So yeah. the prosecutors were basically saying these girls are highly intelligent but dirty girls. Uh, That was actually like a line or dirty minded Uh girls. Sorry, that was a line that was used. And in response to that, the defendants were saying these girls are nuts, like they're insane. Um, You can't hold them to the same type of punishment or responsibility that you would a sane person doing this crime. So um, it was also revealed to add to, like, not only was this just a sensational trial because you have these teenagers in a relatively uh, crimeless country doing such a brutal murder of their own family member, Mm -hmm. but on top of it, for the time, we're talking the 50s here, when even divorce was shunned, it was also revealed that prior to the trial, Honora and Pauline both had the surname Reaper. So, before the trial, Pauline Parker was not Pauline Parker, she was Pauline Reaper, and Honora, mm-hmm. her mother was not Honora, Parker she was Honora Reaper they are only okay. referred to as the Parkers because it came out during the police investigation that Honora was not actually married to Pauline's father Herbert Reaper therefore during the trial Honora and Pauline were referred to by Honora's maiden name Parker So that's a scandal in and of itself that her parents were never actually married and had a child out of wedlock. Whether or not Pauline knew anything about that or not is not talked about in any of the articles that I read. Neither is it really discussed as being an issue, but it's kind of implied that it was like, whoa, of course Mm -hmm. she's a problematic child. Look at at how her parents have lived their lives, you know, that kind of thing. The defense, like we talked about before, claimed that the girls were insane. The prosecution claimed that they were, quote, highly intelligent but dirty-minded girls. Pauline's diary was actually used against them in court. From Pauline Parker's diaries, this is a quote from one of the articles that I'll... I'll 75% most likely put on our Facebook page links to. Um, And I say 75% because I have a tendency to forget... Um, anyway, so this is a quote from one of the articles, we decided to use a rock and a stocking rather than a sandbag. We discussed the moiter fully. I feel very keyed up as if I was planning a surprise party. So next time I write in this diary, mother will be dead. How odd yet. How pleasing. So that was actually like, I mean, okay. Yeah. Like, you know, What? Pauline and Juliette were found guilty of murder on August 28, 1954. It was determined that the girls were too young for the death penalty, so both received five years in prison, where they served out their sentences in full. Pauline, after serving her, or Pauline served her sentence in Par, Paparua prison near Christchurch. Sorry if I'm mispronouncing that. P a p a r u a. Juliet served her sentence initially at Mount Eden in Auckland and then at Arohata in Tawa near Wellington. I'm guessing at all those pronunciations. Hume received uh, 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 Juliet, I should say, received an unconditional release and immediately joined her father who was living in Italy at the time. Parker uh, Pauline was put on a six month parole in New Zealand, where she was highly monitored, and then after serving it, she was allowed to leave the country. She left. She apparently went to England.
1: So, do you know? Do you, was that a light sentence? Considered a light sentence back then? It uh, feels like it to me.
0: Back then, I don't know, but it seems very light sentencey. <laughs> like, five
1: years? Like you, I, I don't. Like you, especially when they both did it. Like they were both trading off turns bludgeoning yeah. this woman well and
0: not only that but you both planned it well in advance and had and it there's
1: journals that are like out. so we're gonna kill my mom yeah
0: yeah so to me that's wild to me five years seems exceptionally light and yes yeah. the girls were young but even for being 16 and 17 that's five years still seems short of the mark i think so you know but I mean, yeah. it's 1954. Who knows? Maybe, you yeah. know, I feel like these days they would get maybe not death penalty, but life in prison.
1: Yeah, man.
0: I don't, I don't know. Honestly, I feel like that stuff changes all the time. I don't know, I know what you would get. I know. So anyway, where are they now? Because as far as I'm aware, both of them are still alive, or at least as far as the internet is aware, both of them are still alive. Pauline yeah. Parker, the one whose mother was murdered... Uh, she changed her name to Hillary Nathan and moved, like I said, to England. Uh, she has since become a devout Roman Catholic, and although she has rarely spoken to the press, has publicly announced that she deeply regrets murdering her mother. In addition, her sister um, double downs on that and says that uh, she has actually come forward and made a statement that it took Pauline about five years to truly realize what she had done, and has since expressed extreme remorse and has tried to live quietly kind of off the grid and out of people's faces. Um, Pauline, at the time of the article, which was a HuffPo article written in 2013, lived at the Northern tip of Scotland, less than a hundred miles from where Juliet's Scotland home was as well, because Juliet at one point moved to Scotland also. So Juliet is actually what lit me up to research this. I don't know how I stumbled upon this. I always like back in college when I watched the movie and discovered it was based on a real murder, knew that Juliet and Pauline were like real people and still doing their thing and had been let yeah. free of prison. In fact, I believe at the end of Heavenly Creatures they do one of those like updates at the end right before the credits that tells you like where they are now kind of thing.
1: Mm -hmm. So I was
0: relatively aware that both had changed their name and moved on. But I did not know that Juliet freaking went for it in a big way and kind of followed her original plan of moving to Hollywood and making a name for herself. So Juliet eventually makes her way back to England after hanging out with her dad in Italy and serving her time, changes her name and becomes a flight attendant. From there, she moved for a while to the U.S. and then eventually settled into Scotland. I can't tell if while she was in Scotland, it was the same time that Pauline was in Scotland. Both had moved to Scotland, but I don't know if they'd moved there at the same time. A lot of articles like to play that angle up because it's a cute little button to put at the end of each and every article like hey and we don't even know if they're still in in conversation with each other that's the real yeah. mystery I suspect they're not I suspect that both of them live there kind of like like their planes crossed in the air like you know maybe briefly yeah. they live there at the same time but but I don't I'm not there's no evidence to suggest that I've come across that they did especially because Juliet seems to hop around a bunch she moves around yeah. a lot so anyway Juliet goes to England, goes to the U.S., and eventually goes to Scotland. And once she's in Scotland, she adopts the name Anne Perry and begins a career as an extremely successful murder mystery novelist known for her William Monk and Thomas Pitt series. Um, Up until 1994, nobody really knew that Anne Perry was Juliet. Uh, But with the release of Peter Jackson's Heavenly Creature, some really well-informed and or good researcher um, managed to find out that Anne Perry was Juliet and kind of blew the lid off of her secret.
1: That's wild. Yeah. Why don't I know this? When you sent this to me earlier, I had no knowledge that the woman from heavenly creatures grew up to be a true uh, a crime novelist and
0: not even like not even just a crime like an like
1: really successful
0: super successful she has won awards she has been on the new york times bestseller list multiple times she's had most of her high-end success here in the u.s and in germany i mean she is like it is like she was made. she's making bank like she's super successful i can't get over it yeah so anyway peter jackson's heavenly creatures comes out and a couple months later it is revealed by an investigative reporter that Anne perry is actually juliet hulme one of the teenagers that created or that caused this really horrific murder back in 1954 in new zealand The discovery that Anne Perry is actually Juliet was extremely good for business, for Anne slash Juliet, and she starts doing the interview circuit, and she gets you know, and she starts her her like books, which were already selling good or well, I should say that was bad, already starting well selling well, are now selling even more weller, <laughs> and she's just like she's doing Hollywood man, she's she's taking the interviews, she's doing she's doing the articles. Yep. In 2006, Amanda Cable of the Daily Mail asked Ann Perry if she ever thought back to the murder. And her answer was, quote, no, I would just torment myself and that wouldn't help anyone. And then Amanda asked her, did she ever think of her victim? And Perry says, no, she was somebody I barely knew.
1: Well, that's a wild answer. <laughs> right? I don't know. I don't. Yeah, man. When you hear. No, she's someone I barely knew. Yeah, we know, dude, but it was your best friend's mom. Don't act like we're weird for asking the question.
0: Well, no, it doesn't. It didn't come off that way in the article. At least it didn't. It was
1: more like it didn't to me. How could I think much about her when I don't I didn't know her. very well. It wasn't.
0: It was like this article was really interesting and I'm going to I'll post it for sure. The article was really interesting. It almost says it's almost as if. And this is me taking a lot of liberty based off an article written from 2003. Sure. Just while I was reading it, you know, how you kind of hear the edit in your head. Yeah. What you think the person's voice sounds like, which is not a great way to roll with it. But hey, I'm going to roll with it anyway. This is my my guess. Judging from how she answered this question, but also a lot of other questions in this article, in addition to other interviews I read about her talking about this murder, there seems to be this weird combination of super honesty, like really Mm -hmm. straightforwardness about what she did and what happened and how it affected her life and others, as well as like a complete like blockage. Does that make sense? Where it's like she shifts so quickly between what one would consider appropriate and what one would consider inappropriate behavior when talking mm-hmm. about something that you did like this. Yeah. The thing to keep in mind is she's an old woman now, or an older totally. woman. I mean, in 2000... Well, now I
1: think, she's, I think she's 81. Yeah,
0: I mean, in 2003, I, I can't do the math on that, but they had some pictures posted about her, and she looks like she's in her, like, early 70s, mid-70s.
1: And she's 81 now, yeah.
0: So she... You know, I mean, that's a long time from 19. 19- 2003 yeah. is a long time from 1954, and you're wondering yeah. if because she lived so long with this until '94 when she kind of got exposed, but even '94 between '54 is a huge jump. If she just has compartmentalized this in order to yeah. go about her daily life, yeah, to like just for function sure. in society. I'm not saying it's right. Mm. I'm just saying that's what I suspect is what she's doing in order to just go from day to day because she she knows like she knows, you know, uh-huh. like
1: uh-huh.
0: she knows. So Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not trying to make excuses for her at all. No. But I'm just trying to kind of understand like why she would say something like that and it's just so like over here on this separate shelf where I don't really need to touch on it and I don't yeah. really need to talk about it. And then, but then, you know, you'll ask her specific questions and she just straightforward gives you the answer. Like, yeah, we bludgeoned it. her today. Like, it's just so, yeah,
1: exactly. Like
0: not matter of fact, matter of fact. And like some mm-hmm. things she's fine with and some things she's not. And it's weird. There's just weird. Yeah. I highly recommend if you're listening to this podcast and you're curious about this, read these articles, the earliest article I could find that actually involved Juliet slash Anne was these was this 2003 2004 I think maybe 2006 article and from there it kind of drops off and then it's and just actually, people talking about it third person so style.
1: I, I Did just you just find something good? Well, I don't know. I found a documentary. So yeah, that so
0: that's the article. So there's a documentary and a biography that were written, and both of those I didn't know about until today.
1: I'm going to between now and next week's episode, even though we won't necessarily need to discuss it next week. But we can. T- I'll watch Heavenly Creatures and watch this documentary. Yeah, yeah.
0: I'll do the same, it's, and then we can touch upon yeah. it for like half the episode and talk about it.
1: It's called Anne Perry Interiors, mm-hmm. and it looks like it's on Prime Video
0: yes cool let's do that
1: okay because i think that's a good idea lock it in yeah
0: anyway um so she's doing the interview circuit and so in 2003 she actually does an interview with this um this place called noted uh she's quoted as saying what i think some people haven't appreciated is that the whole crisis came about within 24 hours she says, as the events leading up to the murder came reeling out, within 24 hours, I learned that my parents' marriage was dissolving. My father lost his job, and they were leaving the country. I was being sent away, and a girl to whom I felt I owed a great deal of debt hit the buffers as well, and the decision had to be made within hours. So that's essentially her reason
1: yeah. for
0: committing this crime when she was 15. I believe she was 15 um
1: yeah and why like in a weird way it's I don't know that feels kind of smoke screeny. like it, I, I want to watch this documentary because it, it almost feels like she's trying to kind of minimize the size of it well like because everyone else is fascinated by it and it was this giant thing and for her she's like yeah I mean it was just kind of like 24 hours of crazy yeah like like, like yeah but then five years in prison and it, I don't know. yeah like yes
0: there was so much more going on and yeah here than just my teenage self had a crisis, yeah, I'm I don't know. yeah. I mean, I
1: talk more about the time I thought I saw a goblin when I was a kid <laughs> than it seems like she wants to talk about the murder she committed. but
0: yeah, it's weird. It's like she mentions she knows she can't get away from it. People are obviously yeah. going to talk to her about it, and it's done her business, oddly enough, really well. Yeah. Um, above and beyond the success she already saw before this. I don't know, I don't know how to explain it. I'm like, yeah, okay, you know, you your parents, you, it sounds like you had a terrible home life, you weren't really paying attention to, your parents kept shipping you away to all these places to get you out of their hair. You had this one girl who like looked up to you and really respected you and gave you attention probably that your parents did not. Um, and now you guys, after so many years of like being the best of best friends, are now being separated, so that you can get shipped off somewhere else. And oh, by the way, your parents are also divorcing. So right. I mean, okay, but also that doesn't really necessarily explain why you premeditated bludgeoning to death a woman in the middle of a park. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's where that's where it seems like oh, hey, I know what the proper thing to say is in order to make yeah. myself not sound like a monster for this interview. So I'm going to say it. Yeah. Without, you know, like this is I don't have an explanation for why I behaved the way I did. So I'm going to use the explanation that society deems to be the most plausible or acceptable. Yeah, totally. Anyway, so that was in 2003. That was then followed up by a Daily Mail interview with Amanda Cable. Asking Anne if she ever thought back to the murder at all, and her answer was, "No, I would just torment myself, and that wouldn't help anyone." And then, did uh, and then Amanda asked her, "Did she ever think of her victim?" And Anne and Anne said, "No, she was somebody I barely knew," which seems really shitty thing to say. But um, yeah, but based on that, it also like reading this article, reading the one in noted, reading some other ones where she talks about. The murders that the you know and all this other stuff it seems like she's kind of disassociated herself from it i mean 1954 yeah. is a huge jump in time to 19 even 1994 when she was first exposed as being Juliet. and i think in order to live her life day to day she there's like this really directness about yes this happened and i'm not going to hide behind any excuse because we all know what really happened there's a trial and there's transcripts and yes this is what I did, but also I've got this mental blank as to why I did mm-hmm. what I did and and blah 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 blah. It just seems this weird, like Yeah, like kind of like I'll talk to you about it and I'm gonna be hyper aggressive to kind of shock you, so you stop asking me questions. You know what I mean? Or you can't accuse totally. me from hiding from the truth because I'm giving yeah. you the truth, but I'm giving you the truth
1: on her terms. On
0: my terms, point blank. And then you yeah. need to be the one to figure out why you feel the way you feel about that.
1: Yeah, exactly. I
0: don't know. It's weird. It's this weird. Yeah,
1: she's like, she's like. I mean, I'm over it. Catch up.
0: Kind of. <laughs> That's what it feels
1: like. Yeah. Kind
0: of, yeah. I don't know. That's me projecting, reading yeah. off of an article where you me can't too. really tell somebody's tone. But it just seems a little odd. Mm-hmm. Um... So, yeah, so, you know, that kind of that kind of sums it up. Uh, wow. Juliet turned into a super successful woman. Um, she moved around a bunch. Uh, she landed bestsellers uh, lists numerous times, even before she was exposed wow. as being Juliet Hume, um, as well as winning the 2001 Edgar Award for best short story in 2017. Uh she ended up moving to Los Angeles slash Hollywood to promote the novels that have been or will be developed into film, and so she essentially did what she originally wanted to do, which was yeah. come out to Hollywood. Whether she actually utilized that into you know hobnobbing with the upper crust of the Hollywood yeah. scene, I don't know, but she she's definitely found some success, and she definitely got over here.
1: What's wild is that that would make a great movie as well her second life right the the not the crime novelist who has committed murder i mean that's an interesting movie too peter jackson needs to make the sequel
0: to heavenly heavenly
1: creatures yeah so
0: yeah that's all i have so that's where we're at
1: that was fucking crazy yeah
0: man it's kind of all over the place with this well not really all over the place it's just like surprising like i did not see this one coming at all yeah, I thought I knew about it, and then realized I didn't really know anything about it. And if nothing else, this has whet my appetite even more to do a bigger, deeper dive. I'm gonna try and see yeah. if her um, her biography, the written one, is on Audible because that's how I fall asleep at night, and I'm like super cur- curious about Juliet. Um, and watch this Amazon Prime. Is that what you said? Amazon Prime. Yeah, this Amazon like Prime it. documentary. Like, I'm into it. And then we'll talk about it next week. We'll touch upon it. Maybe we'll make the it. first half about our review and yeah, the second half about whatever else we want to talk about.
1: Mm-hmm. Super cool, cool, dude. Awesome.
0: I'm. Mean, this was very long. We're an hour and a half in. Actually, I think we're like a straight two hours at this point because it's 7.51. Uh, thank you, guys, and Tolteans for sticking with us on this. Uh, thank you, yeah. Aristotle, for hopefully not ruining your night because we went overtime in a big way. <laughs> Bowser, right. would you like to take it away? Just
1: send us off. This has been Andrew Bowser and Jessica Chobot, and you've been listening to The Untold Hour.
0: Bye! Bye. Bye. Untoldians, that is it for this episode of The Untold Hour. Thank you for joining us on this weird and wild ride into the bizarre.
1: If you are interested in sharing your own story of the weird, send us your listener stories to theuntoldhourpod at gmail.com.
0: Come join the Untold Hour Convo over on my Discord server and our Facebook group.
1: And you can follow us on our socials Instagram at theuntoldhour and at Untold on Twitter. Avenue, a
0: podcast network.